The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, Sheila Walsh spends Wednesdays in the Word with special guest Diane Strack, creator of the mentoring program New Start for Single Moms. And these women, uh, and, and not just single moms, but when they, people have been through abuse or trauma, as you know, um, you feel so beaten down. Yeah. You know, you're just feeling so low and so unworthy, and you're always looking for a place to stow your baggage, never yeah. to unpack it, but where can I stow it? Hi, I'm Sheila Walsh. Welcome to Wednesdays in the Word. We're going to do something a little bit different for two or three weeks. Usually it's just you and me unpacking maybe a passage of scripture or looking at an issue that, that really we can find help on in God's Word. But recently I met um, four women and their lives really impacted me. And it kind of showed me something different I wanted to do with Wednesdays in the Word. I wanted us to be able to see what God is doing through different women in different parts um, of our country, in different parts of the world, so that it wouldn't just be um, me sharing what God's doing maybe through my life, but, but how we would capture the, this kind of divine commission that every single one of us can make an impact no matter where we are, that the body of Christ would really rise up in these days and begin to reach out and change our culture. So. Today you get to meet the first one. She's really kind of the catalyst. Um, please um, welcome with me Diane Strack. I am so thrilled that you're so here. Thrilled to be here as well. Thank you. Would you just kind of in a nutshell just tell people basically what you and your husband do? Well, we uh, founded Student Leadership University. We, uh, my husband was in crusade evangelism for years. In fact, he started with James Robinson, which he was, did? yes, wow. yes, which was really kind of fun. And he's always been, uh, he's spoken in 10,000 high schools, public high schools and colleges to over, uh, a mil over 10 million students. And uh, he looked at me one day and said, you know, I want to impact these kids up close. He said, it's one thing to preach to them and, and see them receive Christ, but to really influence people, you have to be up close. Yeah. And so he wanted to start what we call learning to think, dream, and lead. Our logo is that leadership begins at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, we're finding out that these students maybe raised in a Christian home and they're just can be wonderful students who just all through high school leaders and they get to college and this liberal mentality is so strong. My daughter went to Harvard and she wrote a paper and she used one scripture and it was circled in red. What were you thinking? You're you know, kidding. yeah. And so oh we gosh. hear all the time that our, our students are being told, and you've seen it on the news in the liberal colleges, but it's just transcending down to community colleges as well. And so we really believe we needed to give them a head start and to help them understand how to share their faith in a multicultural, diverse world, and really even at home in a multicultural um diverse areas. So we want to teach them how to share their faith, to know that you know that you know what you believe, not because it's mom's faith, not because it's dad's faith, and not even because they taught me that all through Sunday school. My whole life I learned it, but because I really get that. So we do a lot of behind the scenes of experiences. Uh, I think my favorite 
Well, of course, Israel, how could you want anything more than that? That's our 401. But I love what happens to them when they go to D.C. because the light kind of comes on in their second year. First year, they're, you know, just getting into it. All of a sudden, the light sort of comes on. and They begin to understand, I've been called by Christ to make a difference, and I can make a difference. Mm -hmm. So thank you for letting me share that because it's very dear to our heart, and mm -hmm. we just love Student Leadership University. So what would be, just, I know we're early in the show, but what would be the website for that? Because I want people to see oh, yes, all please. of Thank what you, you do. Uh, if you go to www.sluleed.com, mm -hmm. and there you can see the different programs. Uh, we, we have a program in Europe. We have a program in Israel. And actually, we're putting together for the fall something that you guys can pray for us about, Palestine. Uh, we, wow. we really believe that there's so many Arab Christians, but they're a minority there in Palestine. And uh, they're really losing hope as far as being able to get jobs and mm -hmm. being able to, uh, you know, have any hope to move forward in the future. So my husband and I woke up, both of us, with ever having talked about it. And one morning sitting at breakfast, we both said to each other, I believe the Lord's calling us to go to Palestine. Now, we love Israel. We take our students every year to Israel. But we just believe there's a lot of Arab Christians who need a little help. They need a little encouragement. And so uh, we're going to start fantastic. in Bethlehem oh and uh, Nazareth, Jericho, uh, Jerusalem, and, and Jordan. That is amazing. We will certainly pray for that. Thank you. But you sent me, um, you have a book, and I think yes. it's maybe a workbook for mm -hmm. specifically to help single moms. Right. But I have to tell you, Diane, reading through it, it helped me. And I'm not a single mom. Right. I mean, there was so much. And there's a couple of areas that I would love you to unpack for us. Okay. One was, first of all, you talk about, about inner healing. Mm. What, what does that mean? And what is your heart for, for those who maybe are so wounded and they just have withdrawn from life? Well, thank you for sharing that because I, I found a lot of similar things in your book in the middle of the mess that were, you know, were helpful to me. Uh, I, for me, I was um, sitting and hearing my husband's testimony in so many broken homes and uh, all the abuse and, and just the, the nightmare as a child that he went through. And my, th my heart was like, where was the church yeah. when all this was going on? And I asked him that. Where was the church down the street? No one. He said, oh, yeah, they used to drive the bus by to pick kids up, and I'd throw stones on it, throw rocks at it. And I thought, you know, he threw rocks at that bus because he wanted somebody to stop. Right. He wanted somebody to say, are you okay in this house? Mm -hmm. But no, that's the house where the police go. Don't go near that. Don't stop there. That's the house where there's always fighting. And so where was the church? And so as I began to really reach out and try to minister, to hurting women who I saw were single. And that, you know, another subject we can talk about for hours is just what happens when you're lonely, when you mm -hmm. feel abandoned and that loneliness and you just make really bad choices, which is what his mom continued to do, you know, over and over this, this loneliness that just consumes you. Uh, and so I started writing this workbook and I started a program and, you know, I was going to get this girl a job and do this and do that. And it hit me one day, that's just not enough. That's just <laughs> not going to do it. And I discovered that everyone's pain is, is different, is unique, it's personal, but everyone can process through the word of God, regardless of your pain being different, you're still going to be able to take scripture that processes your pain. And that's what a lot of people don't do. They stuff it. They stuff that pain down. And so I will say the number one thing that I believe is makes a huge difference is that in, in this ministry for single moms, there is a listener, a mentor, a friend who is beside you. 
And you know, nobody listens to single moms. You know, really, nobody just says, hey, sit down and tell me your worst pain. Tell me everything. You don't. So really to listen to them and not to give them advice, but process the word of God. Um, that's where we started. And from there, I, I, I don't want to overtake the time. So. <laughs> Go for it. No, I just, you I know. mean, to me, this is an The thing I love about about you, Diane, is that, that you would even say that's not enough. Right. Because most of the time we think, well, we're doing something. Right. But son is just, just doing not a little, enough. it's almost worse than do nothing right. at all because it leaves people in their pain. Exactly. I mean, so how I learned about this is, is that and what, what really happened and listening to my husband and the second thing that happened, I was in the world's largest McDonald's. It was crazy. Wow, it was so noisy. That? It's in Orlando and it's <laughs> it's a three stories of games and noise. And and suddenly the room went completely silent. It was so loud that I was like, hey, I got to just get out of here. I brought a, a tourist friend to look into it. And I got to get out of here. And the room just went completely silent. And I heard God say to me, pray for that woman. And I saw this woman never, she was across the room. I couldn't meet her, talk to her, pray for her. And so I said, all right, Lord, I will. And a few months later, I was at the Orlando Magic Arena, which is, you know, 18,000 people. And um, I go through one of the doors and she's sitting over there across. And again, I can't, it's not able to reach her, but I see her. And in the noise of all these thousands of people, the room goes silent and the Holy Spirit says, pray for that woman. And so I do. Um, fast forward again to a couple of months and Jay's preaching at uh, First Orlando. There's probably eight entrances at least to the sanctuary. I walk into the sanctuary, I sit down and after the service starts, that same woman walks in and sits in front of me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. Is that wild? Wow. And so I'm like, gosh, Lord, I think I get it. You want me to pray <laughs> for this woman? And so during the invitation, she goes forward. And I come down into the counseling room, and I just ran up and hugged her. And I said, hi, I'm Diane. I've been praying for you for six months. Wow. And she introduced and told me her story of abuse since childhood and what she had been through um, with sexual abuse and I listened and I got all my girlfriends together and we were going to change her life and get her new clothes and you know she was making money as a dancer which a lot of single moms do because while your kids are asleep you go out you make a fistful of cash come home nobody knows yeah. right and um, and so she was making this money and she was making it this way and we found her a job and we got her new clothes and you know we did everything we thought was really good but you can't live on eight dollars an hour and you can't you know, transition from one life to the other without someone being there and walking you through it. And so that taught me, Diane, you got to do something else. You got to do something else. And so we wrote this Bible study and we started teaching that. You got to do something else. And, and this is really a passion of mine is that if a woman feels like, oh, I can't be a mentor, you can just listen. Wow. And just open the Word of God and let her read it with you and mm -hmm. talk about what that means in your life. And you can be a force to change her life in a very profound way. I think a lot of women hold back because they think, I don't know how to do this. Right. You know, I think we can be intimidated by thinking we're not enough. Right. But what you're describing is actually a very doable. Well, it, you're right. We aren't enough. Yeah. And that we're, we can never go into that situation and say, oh, I'm going to change her life. Yeah. No, it, it's being available and being prayed up enough and be understanding the scriptures enough to just go through 
a book, a study that processes her pain. Because, you know, we in our book, we, we talk about uh, you've got to focus on the facts, first of all. And when you focus on the facts, you start to have a different thinking pattern. You don't think constantly about the hurt and the pain and betrayal. You begin to think about how much God loves you. Wow. And these women, uh, and, and not just single moms, but when the people have been through abuse or trauma, as you know, um, you feel so beaten down. Yeah. You know, you're just feeling so low and so unworthy and you're always looking for a place to stow your baggage, never yeah. to unpack it, but where can I stow it? You know, yes. it, which is why, you know, I, when I read your book and about climbing into that toy chest, it was just like so vivid to me. I could see women sort of doing that and putting their suitcase in there, the uh, baggage of feelings and baggage of abuse and baggage of betrayal. So to focus on the facts is to really understand, first of all, that God is on my side. Yeah. They don't get that. Yeah. You know, they're like, no one's on my side. I'm completely abandoned. So beginning with focus on the fact that God is on my side and then uh, beginning to process through that of feeding your faith and really focusing on a, what a real intimate relation with Christ is and to forgiving your foes. Now, now that's huge because that's huge. the thing that I was impressed with most about this workbook was that I, to me it was almost like the two disciples on the road with them to Emmaus. Mm -hmm. It's like they're walking along mm -hmm. and, and Christ is unpacking everything. Right. And to me you've given us a resource here where you walk alongside somebody who's been hurt and you you face every single little obstacle right. that comes up. Right. Because you talk about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is right. not. Right. And you know as you talked about uh, in your book about writing the letter to your dad, you know, which I know was difficult to share, but thank you for doing it because mm -hmm. I think it's really helpful to people. We ask our moms to write a therapeutic type letter to their offender, not to mail it. Wow. They don't have to mail it mm -hmm. because you know what we find out, you know, the offender really doesn't care. So you're like all, you know, holding on to this package of, of you know, I'm so mad and I'm so hurt and I'm so angry. And, and they probably already moved on to yeah. offending somebody else or maybe not, you hope not, but that, you know, they don't care as much as you do. Right. And so um, to really learning that forgiveness, it's, it's an illogical choice. You know, yes. why would I forgive? I mean, this person hurt me, you know, so forgiveness doesn't mean it's not real. It's real. It did happen. Yeah. And you have a right to feel pain and probably you feel some shame whether you should or not you may still may not have been anything to do with your fault but that's but kind it of what smears your soul it does that's mm -hmm. you know i've never heard that phrase and i love that it smears your soul i love that and and so just this illogical response why in the world would i forgive this offender well, you know we have to remember that jesus is not looking at us going Oh, that's so dumb. Just get over it. You know, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I know exactly how you feel. Mm -hmm. My family betrayed me. Mm -hmm. My closest disciples in partnership in ministry betrayed me. The religious leaders betrayed me. My, my neighborhood, my family, my, uh, you know, uh, betrayed me, Nazareth. And so... Everyone you could have expected to stand up were, for him exactly, did not. Exactly, yeah. did not. So he looks at us and he says, I get it. Not only do I understand what you're going through, but I have felt that same pain. I have gone through that same pain. And, you know, he was real. He was a real man. And we know that he was hurt. We know that he wept. We remember in the garden, you know, where he just wept 
tears and just, Lord, do I have to do this? So that takes me to the next step in forgiveness, which is making a choice. Not only is it a choice to forgive someone, but it's a choice to send that part of your life away. And even though no one is asking you to say, oh, it didn't happen, I'll never talk about it again, it's gone. What we're asking you to choose is to start to think positive thoughts and thoughts of the future and thoughts of building a new life and thoughts of healing. So it's a choice that you make in forgiveness to not only say to that person, I refuse to give you any longer power over my life, Mm -hmm. but it is also to make the choice to, I'm going to move forward. And what's really important with single moms is we've got to break the cycle for our kids. Yes. And you know, it takes us to a a modern day story that is really 4,000 years old, and that's the story of Hagar, whose son and mother could not forgive, would not forgive, felt that holding on to the bitterness and going their own way was the most important thing they could do. And we are all seeing that, you know, 4,000 years later. And so to our children, it may make sense to say, you know, your father was the worst, you know, he hurt me, he was horrible. But it also might make more sense to say to our children how wonderful that we have Jesus as our father and that he loves us so and that he has a plan for us and that he Mm -hmm. believes that we are special. And that's Mm -hmm. really what I try to say. You're special. You might be different, but we're all different. But you are special, loved by God, and he has a plan for you. And so if you begin to focus on that, your life will be different. I love the fact that you've referenced Hagar because she's the one who, for the first time, calls God El Roy, the God who sees me. Yes, she which did. Which was when nobody else did, Saw when her. she had nothing yes. going for her. Yes. She didn't have the wealth, she didn't have the family, she didn't have the backing, yes. she had nothing. But she said, you are the God who sees Can me. Can I talk about her for a minute? Yeah, because that is really one of my favorite stories in dealing with this whole putting the past behind you, but and who God is and how much he loves you. I. I'm just overwhelmed with the fact that God said to her, name your child Ishmael, which means God hears. Mm -hmm. And then just a short time later, when she finds herself in the wilderness of despair, I mean, she has moved in. She is like, life is over. It's done. I'm just going to go ahead and die. I'm putting him under the, and just going to let him die. And God speaks from heaven and says, I have heard the voice of the child Mm -hmm. crying. Wow. And, you know, Abraham said, here's a bottle of water going out to the desert. I mean, you know, that was her alimony, (laughs) right? Here's your alimony bottle of water. But, of course, God said to her, hey, I need you to lift your head up and look over to the other side, and there's a whole well. So God gives, you know, Abraham gives her a bottle. God gives her a well. God gives her a well. Yeah. And, you know, she shows us that uh, God's, when we have a need it's an opportunity for God to bless us. It's an opportunity to him to show how much he loves us. And so we have to start looking at our needs that mm-hmm. way as, oh, well, I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do, that's how he's going to pull this off, you know? And and that's, I think, what was happening to her, to her there in the wilderness. And, and I just really love that story of how yeah. he came after her because mm-hmm. I believe that when we take even one step away from him, he comes after yeah. us. That's powerful. And I'm going to remind you later again how to access Diane's website and all the things they're doing. But one of the things we love to do here at Life is that because God has seen us, He's washed our eyes so that we see others who really need His help right now. So I I want you to watch this piece. I was recently in Angola and began to see a way that you and I can make such a difference. Watch this. 
So I woke up this morning um, in this village. It's our final day here um, in Angola. And I honestly don't know what I expected, but I didn't expect what I experienced. I didn't expect to see a child who is a year and five months old and weighs six pounds. I mean, how does a child like that even survive? I think one of the things that maybe surprised me most was the profound affinity I felt with the moms. If you're a mom, all you want is for your child to be healthy. You want to be able to put a meal on the table at night and know that your children go to bed with a full tummy. But here I've seen what the ravages of malnutrition do. Because in many places where we've been, the crops have been destroyed this year and that's what they depend on. So, so many of the moms have to go out and, and work for two days to get one small meal for their children at night. And the meal that they provide has no protein. So when they get sick, they go down so quickly. But the other thing, and this is the thing that blew me away, was I saw the difference that mission feeding makes. I mean, to be able to be in a village and to see this long snake line of little kids who are behaving like little kids should. They're laughing, they're excited, they're happy. And that's why I know there's hope. Mission feeding is not some great idea we came up with. It's simply living out the gospel of Christ. And we put one simple bowl of food into the hands of these children in Africa. It changes their lives forever. Thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, one life at a time. I will never, I will never forget that first trip to Africa and walking into that malnutrition clinic and watching a mom bring in a little one who was, I mean, I probably counted three breaths in the time that she was holding him and the baby obviously needed an incubator. There was no incubator available. So, so they wrapped this little one in tin foil to try and hold on to some body heat. And it was just, it was heartbreaking. I mean, can you imagine a child, a year and a half old weighing six pounds? When my son was born, he was seven pounds and eight ounces. That's what every mother wants for their child, children. These moms in Africa, they're not asking for a car, they're not asking for an iPhone. They're simply asking for the ability to feed their children. But to go from that malnutrition clinic, which was heartbreaking, and I actually said, Father, burn these images into my mind. I don't want to ever forget what that looks like and what it sounds like and what it feels like. But to go from that to a village where we've set up mission feeding, I mean, it's amazing. I, I tried some of the food before I gave it to the children. It looks like oatmeal, but it's not. It's specifically made for that area of the world. It's full of vitamins and minerals and nutrients. And the first bowl literally turns them from death to life. And it's the way it should be. And here's the great thing. What we do is we set up the programs in school. So the children have to come to school to get their, their bowl of food. So they, they learn and they get an education. So you're breaking that whole cycle of poverty. Now, every one of us can do something. You might not be able to do a lot, but you know, for $30, you can feed three children for months. $30. I mean, you spend more than that if you go to some crummy movie. 
$30, three children per month, $50, five children per month, and $100. I can do that. I'm going to do that at the end of the show. $100, 10 children per month. Our, our goal is to continue feeding 400,000 children. We're going back there soon. And I want to be able to say to the, the amazing people who are our boots on the ground, the hands and feet of Jesus right there. Hey, listen, we're never, ever going to let the line of children be longer than the food that we have to give them. So if we all do something, we can change this. Would you go to your phone? Would you call that number on your screen? You can go online. Uh, if you're 12 years old, save up some of your pocket money. Do you know how how great that will feel to be able to know that there's a child that maybe you'll never meet until you meet them in heaven, but you made a difference in their life. Because my personal belief is we don't have the right to share the gospel until we feed their hungry, empty stomachs so they have the ability to hear. So please make the best gift possible. And we're going to change this for a generation of young people who may grow up to be the ones who change their nation for Christ. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. With your support, Life's Mission Feeding Outreach can save lives by feeding and caring for children in the hardest-hit areas of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and mission feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. And with your gift of any amount, we'll send you Proverbs Power, Successful Communication, this powerful CD series, along with Study Guide featuring Stephen K. Scott, unveils the secrets to incredible wisdom found only in the book of Proverbs. This series will give you the tools to transform your relationships in life. With your gift of $100 or more, request the complete Proverbs Power Library, featuring five power-packed sessions that include the power of vision, breaking through mediocrity, and much more. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. Thank you so much. And if the lines are busy, just keep calling. I really appreciate it. And Diane, is there... Is there an, another website? Is there something new that you and your husband are involved in that you yes, might want to direct people to? But first of all, I want to tell you, I want to give to this ministry. Yay. It's just so amazing. <laughs> and watching the passion in you and, and just it's uh, it's the real deal. Yeah. And it's so exciting. Um, so I want to give you the uh, single mom website, which is onemorechild.org. Okay. And One More Child uh, works with trafficking, with adoption, foster homes, feeding. We've, we've had 7 million meals last year internationally. And yeah, and so I just thank you for having me. And oh, thank you for I letting me be part of it. Thank you so much, Diana. Thanks for being with us. And we'll see you next time on Wednesdays in the Word.
Are you concerned about keeping your family well-equipped to manage your resources when you pass away and leaving a lasting legacy? Contact Life Planning Services today. Tomorrow on Life Today, Grammy Award winner Larnell Harris. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.